you're listening to the Simple Table Podcast, where we dive into complex, real, and relevant topics. So welcome to the Simple Table. Hey, good to hear your voice again, Nicole and Braden. <laughs> uh, hey, got a question for you guys. Okay. Um, how much of working out is a priority in your life on a daily basis? Um, I would look at it more in my line of weekly basis. Okay. Um, if I could, well, going into summer, it would be better, but yeah, cause I don't have to go to the gym, which is like 25 minutes away from me. So, right. Um, cause you're out in the middle of, you're in the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Way up in the mountains <laughs> of, <laughs> of couts <laughs> hidden in all those cornfields. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Cornfields on the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I try to make it more of a priority now yeah. than I ever did before. And I actually enjoy it more now mm. than I did before. So, Why do you enjoy it more now? Um, well, I just, I know I feel better. Yeah. Like I don't have the back problems that I used to or the knee problems. Yeah. I know when I haven't worked out, it's just... I start to get those twinges in the back and yeah. and whatnot. So staying active and stretching and whatnot is good. Yeah. And it gives me time not around. Well, I'm around a bunch of people, but <laughs> I'm not around a bunch of people that are trying to talk to me all the same yeah. time. So. <laughs> AKA kids. <laughs> right. Uh, what about you, Nicole? Uh, it's important to me, but I'm not doing it as often as I have in the past. Um, maybe doing it four days a week right now. Okay. Or it used to be a solid six. A solid maybe six. Maybe seven. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel great when I work out. I feel better, although sometimes working out gives me the twinges. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I hurt more when I do. Yeah. I'm asking because I'm I'm realizing, so I, I'm trying to work out at least five days a week, uh, and if possible, six, um, going on spring break. <laughs> so I'm trying to get all seven in the next two weeks to get that beach bod real quick. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, a little but, cold for the beach out here. Right. Lake Michigan, our, yeah. our, our sea, the sea of Michigan is, is the a mountains little... of cows. <laughs> <laughs> we, our geography is very vast here in, Northwest Indiana. Uh, anyway, I, I've just been realizing how important it is for me to work out on a regular basis because while I, my body feels better, it's doing something to my mind as well. And, um, Mm -hmm. I had a couple of days this past weekend where I was working on Friday, Saturday, um, didn't have a gym. And then Sunday I got home from, uh, going and visiting some in-laws, uh, for my son's ninth birthday. And, uh, just sat around the house all day and I just was like this, I, I don't feel good. Like it's there, there must be, and I know that it's true. I just don't know what chemicals they are, but there must be something true about these endorphins that are released. Right. Is that <laughs> yeah. right? Oxycontin. Is that where? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. No. Sorry. That would be, that would Scratch be the wrong that. one. Right. There must be something about these endorphins. Well, welcome to the simple table. <laughs> um, oxytocin right 
or dopamine or something like that that's released and i'm realizing how important it is for me um to just have that exercise so i um i went all out yesterday i tried to run five miles when i haven't been running for oh, no. months <laughs> after i lifted pretty heavy because you got two weeks left gotta get that Is anyone surprised by this though no you no <laughs> No. That's just how you do things. I'm all in or all out. Yep. It reminds me when I hadn't worked out for years and I went back to the gym and it was my immediate thing that I wanted to do was swim and I tried to Michael Phelps it. Nice. <laughs> I thought I was going to have a heart attack. That was bad. They metal you? That after? was at, No, <laughs> thankfully not. That was after like five laps of really going hard out. I'm like, man, this is good. I'm impressed. Wow. And I got to the end. I'm like, I can't breathe. Yeah. Well, don't breathe underwater. That's not a good idea. Right. Right. Yeah, that's, oh my gosh. I, luckily, I was able to grab onto the side and there was enough body weight right. out of the pool. <laughs> Are you a good swimmer? Do you know technique wise how to breathe properly when you're swimming? I guess. I just lift my head up. Aim for the air. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's a good Try to gra- grab oxygen. Now, I just watched Aquaman. Not recommending it's the best movie, but I would love to be able to breathe underwater like him. Yeah. There's, a lot, there's a lot of cool stuff, I think, under the sea. What? Your hands get kind of raisiny. What is that? <laughs> okay. All right. So what are we talking about today? That's a great segue into, I don't know how we're going to segue that. The The point that Raisins. I asked this question about working out is um, stretching, stretching your mind, um, like working out your, your mind and your faith. And I think that that's something that um, we've kind of all been on this journey of um, maybe for a period of time where we were comfortable, not, not quote working out on a weekly basis maybe even a monthly basis we were just kind of consistent in what we were learning what we had learned uh, affirming all the things that we already believed and um, I kind of found myself uh, just asking myself the question if you're only listening to what you already believe you're just affirming belief systems that you don't even know whether are true or not um, so how are you going to actually um, strengthen your your mind and your faith and have just gone on a journey that's uh, been unexpected i think it's for me it feels like um getting in a river but not knowing where that river goes like you could you could uh have a thirty thousand foot view and see how the river is is moving but not know that there are rapids not know that there are sharp turns not see other um other other you know rivers coming into um this 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 massive thing that we're a part of that we're kind of going downstream and i realize that there are times in our lives where we're just kind of floating and um, the river's kind of taking us and we don't even know why or how um, how we're moving along or even if we are, it feels sometimes like it's stagnant. And so just recently, it feels like for me, um, there was a moment where I hit some really amazing rapids and I lived through it. Um, but at the same time, while it was really scary, the adventure of that I, which I've experienced in the past, you know, I think that we've all experienced those times where stuff gets shaken in our lives. We are invited into explore new ideas and new things that um, there are a lot of people who maybe already believe those things, but we've just never been introduced to them or um, or shied away from those relationships because they're just different from what we already believe. Um, 
when we hit those kinds of, of experiences, uh, because they're so new for us, uh, we oftentimes try to avoid them and get off onto the bank and like, I don't want to, I don't want to go here. Um, but just for me, I think I'm more of an adventurous person all in or all out. And, uh, hitting these rapids reminded me that this, this time of growth is just so exciting and so exhilarating. And, uh, and I, I know that, I know that there will be times where you'll hit some kind of peaceful waters again. Uh, but for me, I think that where I'm at and what I'm seeing and experiencing other people being at is, um, there's this adventure, um, specifically regarding the church, regarding theology. Um, things are being, um, brought to the surface and, um, it feels like the church is hitting some rapids and we're, we're, we're learning how to navigate through some of these waters. Some of us have chose to embrace it and get through the rapids and call out to the people behind us and say, Hey, I know this might feel scary, but it's going to be good. Uh, it's kind of like someone who's worked out on a consistent basis and uh, calling to someone who hasn't for a long period of time. Why are you smiling? What are you thinking about? Um, I'm thinking about a workout I just did. I did a workout this weekend with a trainer at the Y that was a little more difficult than I've done in a while. And you know, when you're lifting or you're doing something, the the reason you get sore in the way that you build muscle is because there are all these micro tears mm. that happen in your muscles and then it has to repair and heal and stretch and then grow. Like that's how growth happens is all these tears and they're kind of painful. So that's kind of what I'm equating to this process you're talking about. But there was definitely tearing in my muscles. <laughs> like I was walking funny for two days after that workout. But oh, if you God. just lift like five pound weights every day, let's say you just do bicep curls with five pound weights every day, you never change. Right. You're not going to grow and it's, it's going to become easy. It's going to feel like you're not doing anything at some point. Yeah. So continuing to increase the difficulty is part of growth if you want to grow. Yeah. Yeah. I've reached that point after four months. I'm like, I got, okay, I got to switch something up. Like I'm still getting sore, yeah. which I figure is good. Yeah. But I just got to get to the point where it's like I got to switch something up so that, you know, I actually see more drastic of a change. Mm. So, yeah. And, you know, so part of part of this journey for me is is understanding that um, like like you're describing something needs to get switched. Uh, something needs to get changed. I think you you had a workout that you did on a regular basis for how long? The 21 day fix for like a year, a year. <laughs> and and uh, and those things aren't bad. They create consistency. But um, when you want dramatic results, you have to. Um, get out of your comfort zone. And so, um, you know, some of the things that for me, I've found myself getting out of my comfort zone or listening to or reading ideas um, that I'm not, that I wasn't comfortable with. <laughs> and um, they created a lot of tension and, and tore a lot of things uh, theologically for me. Um, you know, here's, here's what I will say. I found myself at one point being so scared that I was losing, um, I'll call it faith. I, I, I was losing God in this process. And what I mean by that is, um, have you guys experienced death of a close family member? Yeah. No, not really close. Okay. No. Um, my, so I remember my, my grandfather, uh, passed when I was super young. Uh, and then around 16, 
another grandfather passed and then my grandmother and my my last grandmother just passed uh, this past year. But I can remember um, there were moments where I, I, I stopped. I, I, I couldn't remember their voice any longer. Mm. And then uh, it was harder for me to remember their face. Um, my, my dad has also passed two, two and a half years ago now. Well, coming up on three years. That's crazy. Um, and, and these, these moments where you start like feeling like you're grasping for air, like I need to remember because it, there's this level of safety and protection and whatnot. And, uh, for me, as I started reading some of these things and being invited into the, some of this process, it almost felt like the God that I knew was, I was, I was starting to lose the voice that I'd remember or the face that I'd remember. And, uh, for me, there was, there was a point where it, it was, it was probably the Holy Spirit. I, I'm I'm not not denying that he he speaks uh, in this process, but sometimes the voice sounds a lot different than you're used to, and it was almost as though that you have you have understood something for a period of time, but you can make that an idol. Like that that picture that you have of God can actually become an idol that you worship, and you miss the continued growth because He is so transcendent of time and space, and there's a vastness of Him that is way beyond our comprehension as finite beings. And so it, it gave me hope of, um, I, I, I have to understand what it is that I'm pursuing of the nature of God and how, how can I navigate these waters where I feel like there are things that get lost. Like when you're going down these rapids, you might, you might lose stuff accidentally, but there also might be times where you go, we need to get rid of some of the baggage uh, because we're not going to be able to navigate these waters with all this stuff. Some of it we thought that we needed and some of it, you know, just it's it's actually not helpful. And so for me, part of this process, and this might sound really um, like, duh, that that totally makes sense. But I actually found myself realizing I understood God as um as a person and Jesus as another person, but I, I don't, I, I was conflicted not knowing it until some of the things that I was learning conflicted, realizing that they, they look alike and any, any picture of God that doesn't look like Jesus, I've actually found myself trying to, to see how, how these images of God that I saw in the old Testament um, make sense with the images of God that I see Jesus saying that he revealed. And so part of this journey for me is, is Jesus truly revealing the Father? And if so, what do I do with the pictures of God that don't look like Jesus that you see in the Old Testament? And so um, just just recently was um, kind of studying the passage in Luke 6 on the Beatitudes. And um, I'll just share some of these thoughts. Jesus is talking to his disciples in the crowd and he's, he says, it says he lifts up his eyes. This is in Luke six twenty. Uh, he lifts up his eyes to his disciples and said, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now for you shall be satisfied. Uh, blessed are you who weep now for you shall laugh and blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. And behold, your reward is great in heaven for you. So they, so their fathers did 
to the prophets. He goes on and says things like, Woe to the rich, for you've received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when you, when people speak well of you, uh, for their fathers did the did to the false prophets. I'm I'm reading this stuff, and in the past I think that it was like, wow, I've got a list of things that I need to do. You know, like I, I need to live up and attain to these these ideals. Um, he continues to go on, but I I say to you. Uh, to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. For the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs for you or from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish uh, that others would do to you, so do to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is it for you? For even sinners love those who love them. Uh, if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is it for you? For even sinners do the same. But if you lend to those uh, from whom you have expect to receive, what credit is it to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. So I'm I'm reading this and I'm realizing here's Jesus telling his disciples to do these things which feel like law because I've known God as the law provider. And when you don't fulfill these laws, there is judgment that will come upon you. Yet Jesus is, is coming to... In, in, past understanding he's coming to die so that the punishment that i would have received for not fulfilling these laws are, are put on him and so i got this this i've got this unknown um janice faced picture of god that jesus is trying to protect me from god and uh when i when i fail and that God is is looking for me to measure up, but he also knows that I won't ever be able to. And so he he sends Jesus and Jesus becomes the wrath bearer of God uh, for my lack of being able to fulfill these requirements. And what was interesting for me is that um, I started to realize, like, is that truly accurate when Jesus says, if you've seen to, to Philip, when Philip says, show me the father, and Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So now I'm hit with these conflicting messages because either I've been viewing God wrong or God changed his mind. Either either I have perceived God to to look like this and he wasn't or once Jesus steps on the scene and he takes the punishment then God changes his mind. And so for me one of the things that's been really interesting is I start looking at the passage of the cross and Jesus going to the cross and I start seeing something really interesting. How is it possible that if the, in my former way of thinking, how is it possible that Jesus is bringing a new revelation of the father, but only post the cross. And yet he's talking about what the father looks like before the cross happens. 
it doesn't work it, it there's there's a conflict like he he's either always been good and we didn't understand it or he's good after the cross which is what we we don't we don't we would never say it like that but we justify well when he poured down wrath it was out of his goodness and kindness and justice and so a lot of this journey for me is like do we even really understand what the justice of God really looks like? Or have we have we projected our ideas of what God looks like because we perceive something that's not true and we see that played out throughout the Old Testament and even currently? Like as Christians, I think that there are messages that, that justify God punishing sin for those who don't receive Jesus or somehow, um, somehow give give God the credit for when things go bad because we've not fully submitted our lives to Jesus. And yet Jesus makes the statement, you will be sons of the most high for, for he is kind and to the ungrateful and the evil be merciful, even as your father is, is merci- merciful. And it might seem like uh nuance, but I actually think that this is the very thing that gets Jesus killed when he starts to approach the Jews and he starts saying, you think he looks like this. And I'm telling you, he doesn't look like that at all. Like right. that, that is the very thing that causes an entire nation to turn against him. Yeah. Religion is a <clears throat> vile thing that whenever you disagree with it, it likes to come and kill you. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think he knew that was going to happen. So, yeah. So, so expound a little more on that. Like religion is a vile thing. And and when you go against it, it's going to kill you. Tell, talk, talk more about what you mean by that statement alone. Well, religion is very much, it's founded in the law. It's what we asked for. We asked for the rules before the cross. We asked We don't want relationship with you. Just give us something that we can rely upon that we can take into our own lives and our own hands. And, you know, when we mess up, give us in this law some ways that we can make it right. But it's always about juggling these things in our hands. And it's never about relationship. Mm. It's always about if you do these things, then you're good. And it's a very selfish way of thinking. Mm. And while I think in, in how I see things, I feel like we're the ones that asked for the law. It's not necessarily God wanted mm. the law for us. But it's like, hey, if you really want to know, if, if you want me to define myself and how I want you to live within a set of rules, here's the best I can give you. Mm. And you need to realize this isn't going to work, but because you've asked for it, here you go. Yeah. I don't want it for you, but since you asked for it, I'm willing to give it to you. Yeah. And so we, even now post cross, we're walking in this same way of thinking of what do I need to do to be in Mm. And how do I, how do I keep 
you know, staying in. And if I get out, what are the things I need to do? How many Hail Marys? How many Our Fathers do I need to say? What's my penance for getting back in? And we're still in this mindset of of law, and, and that's what religion pulls you into, is it says this is not about relationship. This is not about actually understanding each other. This is about, this is the the set rules. These are the things you have to believe. If you don't believe this, then you're out. Yeah. And so it brings division. Religion will always bring division. And you can look at yeah. how the state of the church is yeah. that when you don't agree, you move on right. and you create another division. Right. And it's, it's very, um, punishing. Yeah. Like what's the best way we can punish you? Well, the best way we can punish you is to kick you out of relationship. If you're in relationship within a church and you're doing really like you've got close people and friends and stuff within that, and you start disagreeing with certain things, religion will come along and say, Hey, guess what? You don't get to ask those questions. Now you are severed. Yeah. You can no longer have relationship here. So So, is it sin that creates division? Is it sin that creates division? Separation. Or separation? Yeah. Because I think that division and separation are, are almost synonymous in a sense that uh so using a term that um i think that you know us at the table may be a little more familiar with anthropomorphism does god need to separate from man because there's disagreement or there's there's a breakdown is that is that really true or is that religion requires separation and I, we perceive... I think that's religion that's yeah i mean because and i i know this may get some kickback from others but um the way that i understand sin to be is it's not this this thing that is lurking around or whatever this sin is a mindset it's it's that separation that idea of being separated from god that brings you into this place of and religion is the same i mean religion and sin and all of that kind of stuff it's all about separation it's all about you are no longer able to be in the presence of God because mm-hmm. you're this sinful thing. And, and it becomes, instead of, you know, what I, what I believe Jesus came to remove our sin is it's removing that mindset, those blinders of saying that you're not accepted by God. He doesn't want you. It's this tons of mindset i mean it's right. it, it's right. the removal of that barrier yeah and so when you say is it sin that separates you i mean i think that's what sin mm. is is its ultimate goal is to show there's a barrier between you and god and everyone else and yeah. so yeah um yeah what are your thoughts nicole as i hear you guys talking I, i'm listening and just processing because what i'm what I'm trying to think through then is these are like the questions are good and they're there and I really value what you bring, but I'm like, so then why? Why, why? Why 
does it look different in the Old Testament and the New? Why does it look, why does God look like he acts different then and now? But if Jesus is portraying that he's not in there, like, what are the things that we are believing that aren't true and or what is the explanation? And maybe we won't know why, but... Yeah. What are we supposed to learn or understand?